views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations. This is your host, Brother Jumoke Ifekayo, currently serving as the Southeast Regional Representative of INCOBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And we come in to you twice a month, bringing you information about the reparations movement. We're excited to bring you this next installment. We will be discussing self-care, how do we heal ourselves on the journey towards reparations, and that's actually part of the journey of reparations, healing ourselves. So we have, we're very excited about our guests we're going to have a conversation with today, Sister Anana Harris-Paris, who has written a book about self-care, and the book is taken all around the world, and we're proud of her, and she has history within COBRA and the reparations movement, so... We're going to go ahead and uh, bring her on the line now. Sister Nana, are you with us? Sister Nana? Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. great <laughs> I'm great, here. Great. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm glad um, you were able to share time with us this evening on short notice. We appreciate love you very much. So why don't we just go ahead and begin with you just describing, telling about yourself a little bit and who you are and, and as I mentioned earlier, your connection to Encobra and the reparation movement. Yeah, sure. Um, I was introduced to Encobra when I moved here to Atlanta, where I'm based out of um, back in 2000. And um, I had been looking for 
organizations or uh, activities that were progressive in the Atlanta area when I moved here from Washington, D.C. We were doing a lot of um, just activist activity up there. And when I moved here, I said, well, what's happening? So I ran into a meeting, um, at least an interest meeting, about Encobra. And I really appreciated um, what was being presented. I wanted to contribute. Um, and so I made a presentation to the Atlanta chapter board just about how to be uh, a bit more national in the approach to explain reparation. The presentation was centered around the idea of teaching this decision to ignore or repair, um, that that is the decision that we're making. So this was in 2000. Um, the Atlanta chapter board accepted, which you were on, how <laughs> I met mm -hmm. Brother Jamoke, accepted the proposal, and then the national chapter um, accepted that as the slogan for the national conference that year. And so we just moved on from there. Okay, great. Now you you share with you with us some of your connection with Encobra. Why don't you give us just a little bit more background on who you are and what you do in the world? And... Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, of course, I'm somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, somebody's <laughs> great granddaughter, <laughs> and mm. so you know, I'm definitely. Um, sleeping on, standing on, praying on, hugging on the shoulders of those who came before me. Um, my parents were were very active in uh, the movement work. Um, and I just was raised in that type of a household. We had a Pan-African perspective. Um, you know, my brother Sekou and I were kind of bonded um, in a lot of ways, my father primarily raised us, but I do have a total of four siblings. And so as we all grew in our lives, we just kind of kept an activist perspective on everything that we did. So that carried over to my time at Howard University. Um, and then as I stayed in Washington, D.C., um, I did a lot of work around educating the community, fighting for us to gather to even just discuss topics. And then that led mm. me to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm gonna really keep it pretty short, but a lot no, of that's, my that's, work is <laughs> that, that that's good. I, I think that's a, you know that's an important that, context is that good because enough of background. Okay. Well, that's enough of background. We want to do a little bit more of the present, but I did want to say I think that's a, it's important because you know everybody just don't move to Atlanta and say where's the progressive organizations at, <laughs> like you said you did. So it's important to know the background a little bit, you know, that what sent you on that on your journey and and how you have evolved on your journey. So currently, what are you engaged in? What is the work that you are engaged in? Well, since I've been here in Atlanta about 19 years, I developed an organization called Afri-Salsa Cultural Organization, which was an aggressive move to look at the cultural arts as a way to heal ourselves. And uh, I've really enjoyed that. I've been trained and performed in traditional West African dance. And of course, I love the salsa. I did a lot of research in the connection. And the brand was also used to force and, and push from a marketing perspective just what is African about salsa. <laughs> and so I did a lot of that type of cultural activism and that shifted into um, other types of activism. At the birth of my son, 
I was slapped in the face at just the way that black women were treated in the hospital systems and um, mm. what did they say, the, the medical industrial complex, they call it. Um, and it just taught me that there's so much about these institutional um, acts of violence that occur on us as a people that really breaks our bodies and our spirits. And that's when I realized that in the depths of postpartum, post-trauma, um, that I just, I didn't want to take care of myself anymore. It was such a violent experience that it made me think about my ancestors and made me just think about this broader picture of our bodies and, and how we can have snatched from our hearts the desire to want to even take care of ourselves, to just live in survival mode. Um, and even with the way I was raised with just a very powerful framework, I had completely lost that desire. And so I thought to myself, wow, for those who didn't have access to love and support and the knowledge of who they are and what they deserve, you know, how are they recovering? They're not, you know, they're not. So it led me to create um, a couple of different movements. One was a self-care day movement that was based in a revolutionary approach um, for people who have been, um, you know, uh, uh, had a parasites attached to us as those parasites sucked from us what would fuel the country, what would fuel other households, and we just fell apart. We would just completely crumble. Um, so I created a self-care day movement and worked to politicize it. So we set up an official self-care day in the city of Atlanta. We've just continued, and that led to development of focusing on uh, women of African descent, primarily through the establishment of the Sister Care Alliance, um, and so that is an organization that promotes self-care as a form of social justice and social justice as a form of self-care. And through that, we have been doing above ground work and underground work. The above ground work is we go to human and sex trafficking centers and we teach survivors how to create strategic self-care plans. Um, we go to uh, domestic violence shelters and then just the everyday struggling professional that is battling with debilitating depression um, we also do a lot of underground work for those who are escaping uh, really difficult situations um, and they just need to not only find a way out and get connected through our network to other organizations that help but we also work on strengthening them to be able to develop their own strategic self-care plan along the way. So that's just a little bit of <laughs> some of the work that we do. That's great. That's great. That's great. And you said something which I think was very um, profound. I'd like you to unpack it a little bit more if you don't mind. You said self-care as social justice and social justice as mm -hmm. self-care. Do you care to um, build on that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Um, I spent a little more time writing about it in my book. Um, it's called Self-Care Matters, A Revolutionary's Approach. And I titled it that because you would really have to understand how revolutionary it is for you to change your daily behaviors, begin to look at your choices throughout the day and who you network with when you are all deciding, you know, once a week we're going to meet up and we're going to come up with, within each of these categories, how are we going to critically take care of ourselves? 
And what do we need? You know, if my body, if my lips are chapped and my skin is dry, that means I'm, I'm thirsty for water, not for anything else. It doesn't matter what's being marketed to me. I need a strategic self-care plan that's feeding me the, the water that my body needs. And so if that is the case, then if we begin to shift what's happening in our daily lives and it alters an entire economic system that's based on marketing you your wants versus your critical needs being assessed, then what happens is you begin to affect people's payrolls and that is revolutionary. Yes, yes. A lot of what we do from a self-care as a form of social justice is say, listen, this is not about manicures and pedicures and massages. This is really about the psychology that is shaping marketing plans. Um, the idea of you not being strategic about how you take good care of yourself is not you know, just something that would not shift an entire system. You know, there are corporations that hire psychologists and, and market researchers to sit down and look at the behaviors of the broken. And they say, mm -hmm. wow, if we have full communities of broken people that are dependent upon certain prescription drugs, dependent upon these immediate boosts of sugar and all of these things that um, are really breaking our bodies down, and we are going to be able to build a business off of that from generation to generation, what about you not being dependent upon all of that is not revolutionary. So, yeah, I, I, the idea... Okay. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, okay, so the idea is when you are a leader of your household, when you are a parent, when you are responsible for others and you're going to a religious organization, when you are bettering your community, when you are working to just have a healthy household <laughs> in the black community, if that is your leadership position, it is revolutionary for you to not only maintain that, but it's revolutionary for you to say, I want to continue to move out of survival mode, right? Because taking good care of yourself is beyond just surviving, right? When you're mm -hmm. just surviving, you are far more predictable, you are very measurable, and you're easily influenced. Because what do you need? The basics. When you climb out of survival mode, where you have a strategic self-care plan so that when life sucker punches you, you have a system of responding, that's a totally different person to deal with. That's a person that's exercising a freedom that's not dependent upon someone satisfying a, a, a core primal need. So a lot of what, what we promote with the Sister Care Alliance is how can we teach this system to as many people as possible to be able to say, listen, when you look at reparations institutionally and someone says, you know, they have these you know, arguments that really insult the intelligence of our people. Now, our broken spirits are evident. Um, our struggles are evident. But I tell you, when it comes down to how we are able to be resilient in the face of garbage being put in front of us, hands down, mm -hmm. we are killing the game. So as you decide, how am I going to move forward? How am I going to move beyond just surviving? There has to be a strategy. You have to find your own, and we call it, I write about it in my book as, 
um, our own new type of underground railroad system where there are these safe houses where you can be honest about what you're struggling with in terms of what you critically need spiritually, emotionally, artistically, economically, which is your time, money, and energy, physically, educationally, and socially. In all of those categories, who are you meeting up with regularly in a safe place saying, what are you doing for the next six days? Because on the seventh day, we're going to meet again. We're going to continue to strategize about how we're going to climb out of survival mode. So I say all that to say that is all in, in Sister Care Alliance's perspective, a form of social justice that's internal. You know, it's an emotional march. It's the internal kind of in the root, in the ground way of just nourishing what you're growing, not just for yourself, but for the next generation. You know, how do we how do we learn these levels of low self-care? We learn them from people who are really good at surviving, mm. you know, really good at it. And so to break that or to grow beyond that, which is the prayer of those who came before us, that we should not be scraping and, 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 and grabbing around just trying to find a way to get from one day to the next one, paycheck to the next. You know, the, the dream is that we can take a moment to just breathe and strategize in a new way. And then I'm going to say one last thing. I talk a lot about because it's institutional, these behaviors are institutional, right? And let me just say, there are emotional overseers that have perpetuated emotional slavery. And emotional slavery is never, never stops, right? That is the extension, this really healthy extension Um of slavery. That was the success of slavery is that they convince you that it's not when you've got people that'll say, Oh, you wanna you wanna talk to an accountant? Nah, I mean for what? You should be embarrassed about what your finances look like. Why why would you go to somebody with an expertise? So then they crack this kind of whip to make you feel like you can't go beyond just surviving. And so you mm. believe it. And you know what else they do? They convince you they convince you that you should just stay there and then you should continue to just feel bad. That is just mm -hmm. a type of emotional overseer behavior where they're benefiting and profiting off of where you are for some reason and in some way and you can't see it. But the way you break that is you begin to say, what can I do on a regular basis to address my critical needs, which is the basis of self-care. So when you look at reparations, I know I'm drawing 8 million circles. When you look at reparations and someone comes up with these statements like, well, they wouldn't know what to do with the money and what about this and what about that? All this. Your first step is to say, no matter what happens, I need to have a strategic list in my face every day of what I critically need and how I can take these strategic self-care steps to achieving it. What support do I need? And that we can begin to mine and resource right now. And then when things transpire as they should, you'll begin to slide everything in a healthy slot and your, your strategic mind will have already been practicing what it means to address your critical needs. Thank you. Well, you know, I think you answered two or three, <laughs> two, three questions that I had already. One of the things I, I, I do want to to continue to build on, one of the things I've seen your presentation several times, and, and one of the things that I uh, think that's powerful about the way you present this material is what you call baby steps. 
And I remember you, you gave one example, because a lot of times people like, you know, oftentimes we, people say, well, we know what I need to do. Like I'm overweight, so I know I need to eat better. or I know I need to exercise. I know I need to do these things, right? But then there's sometimes there's the, there's the challenge between doing, knowing what you should do, quote unquote, should do, and doing it, right? And so I remember, like you gave an example of someone wanting to lose weight, and you said, well, just start by putting the number of the gym in your phone, <laughs> right? Not get a right, gym membership, right. not go to the gym, but let's take this the first baby step towards that, like, you know. And um, so maybe you could just share that a little bit more, because I think that that's a very important thing for our people like you know people in general may feel like they know certain things that they could do or should do or want to do but sometimes like i said there's a disconnect with actually doing it you know um or like you said that 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 emotional oppression kind of steps in and and keeps them from taking action um towards it yeah absolutely and there's a really successful tool of an emotional overseer and, and there's that whip of shame right they crack mm-hmm. that well you should be ashamed of yourself for not having taken care look look at how far you let yourself go and these are voices in our head um and some of them are statements we've said to other people right so it replays mm-hmm. in our head and then we've been taught to achieve so much under back-breaking labor requirements that if we were to talk about a self-care baby step, we're embarrassed just to say that that should even be called progress. So first, before you can begin to think about what small steps, baby steps, however you want to categorize it, we use self-care baby steps um, as our terminology. For you to even consider one, you have to just, just hike through the mud and the muck of the shame and the embarrassment of, why is it only a baby step that you can uh, accomplish? Why are you even here? And that sometimes can suck you back into this black hole of depression and stress and and then you never even make it to accomplishing it because of the shame. So I offer the self-care baby step, which the definition is, it's an act that seems absurdly simple, but it gets you one step closer to your self-care goal. So a self-care baby step is an act that seems absurdly simple, but gets you one step closer to your self-care goal. And what that means is you are not focusing on that immediate outcome. You're focusing on strengthening the muscle because your muscle is weak. Your confidence is low, right? So that self-care muscle is so weak that to accomplish, say, if uh, to your example, if you want to go to the gym, a self-care baby step for some, because it's different for others, maybe putting an empty gym bag by the front door, but then just continuing on with your day and your week. Say this week, I'm going to do this. The next week, I'm going to put gym clothes in it. And then the next week, I'm going to put it in the trunk. Well, what happens is the more you address the anxiety surrounding a self-care baby step, it's almost almost equivalent to the amount of anxiety you're facing to accomplish the goal. So meaning your body responds with the stress and the frustration and and the worry and the shame by just putting the bag by the door it could generate the same amount as if you were to actually walk into a gym right it'll feel like that so what you're doing is you're building confidence you're building a system of regularity and it does increase that's what a self-care baby step is and you know what's crazy is 
there is one question that everybody can ask themselves that can keep them engaged strategically with their own self-care. One step, one question is, what do I need? Now, when I spoke at the uh, in Cobra event, it was in April, was it, Brother Jamoke? Uh, early May. Mm-hmm. Early May, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I do this everywhere I go. I ask members of the audience to look at each other and I ask them to say, to ask this question to each other, what do you need? And there's always this really profound response. Well, I did that there and we kind of work through it and you start to realize to even accomplish a self-care baby step like I said you got to dig through all of these feelings some of us bury them so deep you don't even you don't even know what you need <laughs> mm. you really have to start talking to other people because just to make it through the day in survival mode you have to suppress your critical needs well I was dredging them up so let me tell you I ended up in the summertime speaking at Georgia State at Um, a class in the African Studies Department, African-American Studies Department. And there was, one of the students came up and he said to me, you know, sis, I just wanted to tell you that I heard you speak at the Encobra event. And when you asked us to look to the person next to us and ask the, the question, what do you need? I didn't realize nobody's ever asked me that question before in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And he said, I started asking myself that question in the mirror, which was the homework assignment. And then this this beautiful sister walked up next to him, he said, and I didn't realize that I needed her until I started asking myself that question. And now we're mm. together and we ask each other that question. Mm. Those are the types of results of a self-care baby step that's personal and potent that really can create a ripple effect that you would never respect if you kept shaming what a self-care baby step was. Is that helpful? Yep, very, very much so. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated both those stories, the gym bag and the, um, the queen by the side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. That's good stuff. So, uh, where do we go? Because she's kind of touched on some of the things I was thinking about asking, but maybe I'll ask it and you you might answer it in a different way <laughs> we'll see how it goes. so 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 one thing i was thinking about and actually just just now as you were closing that out i'm just something i just was thinking about was that we could replace self-care with self-repair right because i mean i'm maybe i should ask you if that would would you see that that could work because you know repair is a root word of reparation and yeah. you know there's within the reparations movement there's sometimes this this phrase which I don't like which some people say which is internal reparations and what one of my um, comrades in the movement said that they've been they have embraced the term self-repair I said okay I can resonate with that one a little bit more than the internal reparations and so thinking about self-care I was like hmm you could self-care self-repair so it's around the same Thing, but maybe you may not see it that way. So what would what, you say? So <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the first proclamation that we established was um, for a self-care day was set up in 2011. So before the term had been swiped and you know <laughs> commodified and 
you know, I love the increased conversation. Um, it just comes with what it comes with. Um, mm -hmm. And so as it began to be um, absorbed into other areas, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, people began to develop a distaste for it because some of their introduction to being bombarded by the term self-care um, was wrapped around communities that they didn't respect. And so then they said, well, mm. I don't like the word. I don't like the mm. word. I don't like the word. I don't like who introduced it. You know, you put a stake on a garbage can, as they say, you know, it's still garbage, right? Mm. So, you know, I have a thick skin and I have a lot of compassion for people who engage in um, terminology war. And <laughs> Um, I allow it because that is the life that we live in the state. You know, it's, everything is a terminology war. What you call me, why you call me that, do I find it disrespectful, right? So it's kind mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the poison that, that's in the brew that you just can't, you can't take it out, right? But I had this, this one sister who is a, a prominent leader. She said, you know, I got up and I, uh, no, there was a student that asked her a question. She said, you know, how, how is your self-care? And she said, you know, I don't really like that term. She said, mm. because I just think that, you know, I think white women have taken that term and, you know, I'm not answering, you know, that term or that question. So then I got on the mic and I said, <laughs> I said, sis, when, um, on your worst day as a leader, on your worst day, how do you choose to take care of yourself? And she started flowing. She said, oh man, you know, it was a totally different question. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, repair denotes how am I responding to damage, right? Mm -hmm. And I just would rather us not only repair, but right. also look at this daily um, strategic maneuvering to not just repair damage, but continue to excel beyond those scars, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's my only terminology war contribution. I love repair. <laughs> I think we need to do it. And I think people don't respect it because when we're wounded, especially black women, I mean, there's so many statistics that when uh, you talk about maternal mortality and just the way we're treated in that particular area, let alone my own personal story, they don't even uh, gauge our level of pain the same. We don't get the same dosages of pain medicine. And so to mm. respect what's required to repair something is a social justice journey in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. So of course we need a lot of attention on repair. I just want to make sure that as we are focusing on repair from damage, we realize that there should be a day when the damage, <laughs> the damage needs to not be a part of the equation, right? right but right. there's such a schizophrenic um, existence that we have here in the States where we have to learn how to remain around people who have damaged us, right? Mm. So how do you live and exist when there's constant microaggressions, when there's uh, right. a system that is designed to, to live off of your soul and your back, right? How do you live amongst those who ask you to be civil when there's constant damage? So because there is a request that we live in an environment that's constantly damaging, whether it's environmental injustices, <laughs> whether it's abusive, whether it's economic abuse um, uh, and injustice, Whatever it is, we're asked to coexist with damage. 
So that's why the term repair matters. That's why reparations matter. Um, because the damage is real. I do know for a fact, though, um, as a people and who we are, um, our spirits are not rooted in damage. We have experienced it. We have learned how to um, be resilient as a result of it. We've rebelled. Um, that is just not the DNA of our makeup is to constantly live in damage. And I would not want I would not want any any child uh, growing up accepting damage as a way of life. So that's my only issue is mm -hmm. the juxtaposition of repair includes damage. And um, I want us to grow beyond that. Oh, uh, Brother Jamal. No, I, I, yeah, so I just want to say, yeah, I can see that clearly, you know, and actually even before I said it, I was thinking about something you had said earlier about moving from uh, survival to thriving, not just, you know, and, and that was one of the things that came up in my mind. You kind of said it a different way, you know, which includes the damage, which I get, and it keeps us at a state of just thinking we're always having to respond to damage. But actually, if we're living on our full selves, we move beyond damage, and then we still have to care and nurture and develop ourselves even beyond that. So go ahead, brother. You wanted to uh, jump in? Yeah, we're getting ready to go to the break, but as I was sure. listening to both of you speak, um, it seems like she was talking about preventive care as well as the repair of the damage that's being yes. done, but how do you prevent mm -hmm. it? To put it like in healthcare terms and simplify it, if mm -hmm. I may add, preventive care and then their, you know, maintenance. I guess you would consider maintenance as part of prevent, preventing yourself from breaking down, but then the repair because we daily being bombarded, you know, with these external forces of anti-blackness, I'll just call them that. But I also want to acknowledge um, our, our other uh, co-hosts, uh, Sister Bonita and the co-chair of the Atlanta chapter of Cobra is on the line. And after we come out the break, all mics will be open. So you're listening to Conversation Reparations on the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned uh, with us through these quick breaks, and we'll continue the conversation. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium.
All right. Welcome back to Conversation Reparations. Twice a month program brought to you by Encoba, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, hosted by Brother Jamoke Fetayo and Sister Bonita Lacey, and engineering by Brother Scotty Reed. So um, we'll bring in Sister Bonita now if you have any questions. And actually, um, Sister Bonita and Anana have worked together in other capacities in our movement here in Atlanta and even nationally with the um, Black Mama bailout. Maybe you want to bring that conversation or some other conversation based on what we've been sharing so far, Sister Bonita. Okay, I want to, this is Sister Bonita, and I want to talk about my self-care journey. And people hear me saying this often. Lately, they're saying, "Uh, where have you been? My self-care journey for the homework that Sister Anana gave us has been to pull back and relax some. Um, one of the things that I feel that I have a need for is I like water. Water gives life and, you know, the flow. So I have a need to go by the water and I'm steady planning to go and spend a weekend by the water somewhere because that is what rejuvenates me from the the spiritual and uh, oppressive walk that I have in living in America daily. It's just like little things that the normal daily walk, uh, if you're not aware, you're not aware of that oppression. So you don't, uh, you don't respond to it. And uh, I see it happening to other folks and I internalize that pain uh, from people not feeling that they have a voice. Even even in business, even in doing business, a lot of things like um, the balance and how black people in position of power now have a, obtained some of the uh, oppressive ways to continue the oppression against other black people. Uh, a prime example, and this is a short of it, is I have a client that's doing that's asking for a special permit. Now, some of the special permits, they have guidelines for the permits, but some of the permits are given to people for ever. Some of them are given to people for one year. Some of them are given to people for three years or two years. But that person who has it for one year is paying out of their pocket, you know, multiple times the same amount of money. So that's making them poor. And those little things that happen in business really, like, get me like, ah, and I get tense because I'm trying to hold it because I'm trying to be professional. <laughs> so I have that, that, that level of stress in doing uh, business. And Sister Anana said, to ask yourself, what do you need? And what I need is a break from it. <laughs> so that's just me. And, uh, and I'm, I'm working as I do business on equity and reparations for black clients. So it's uh, it's hard that balance is very stressful and very hard for me. So what else could I do, Sister Ayana? That's my question. 
Um, well, first of all, you know, I love you, Sister Bonita, and I, I just am so glad we're on this call together. So thank you for sharing your self-care journey. A, a lot of people don't share their self-care journey because it's such an intimate part of their life choices that um, it's, it's a lot to share. So I appreciate you sharing. One, I would say that question, what do I need? When you ask it every day, you begin to develop the path. That's the first part of the strategy. The second part of the strategy is to ask who can help? Who can I ask to help with accomplishing my next step or even brainstorming what my next self-care step needs to be? Um, I would definitely take it further. Sometimes we think, well, it's Sunday morning, let me deal with who I am spiritually and then <laughs> the rest of the week, we don't repeat certain exercises to strengthen that muscle. Um, so I think repetition should be a goal, Sister Benita, and that's for all of us, myself included. I also think that asking for help and then scheduling something on a regular basis with someone that is excellent in a category of care that you're struggling with. So if you're struggling with energy or if you are facing a type of work or a line of work, which I completely understand, that can drain you and you empathically or emotionally are carrying loads that you're not putting down on a regular basis, so you need to seek out support from someone who can not only meet with you on a regular basis and check in, um, but offer strategies on how you can put it down so that you can continue living your purpose. And I wanted to really highlight, um, the brother made a really good point about prevention being added to this notion of, of care. But I want to expand on that and say what you critically need in terms of what you're talking about, Sister Bonita, part of your critical need is to help those who are struggling and to help them specifically through this battle with reparations and then also from a business development standpoint, right? And if yeah. you find yourself being um, pulled away from your purpose, right? Because your critical needs are also tied to your purpose. You've got prevention, you've got care, and then you've got your purpose, right? So what I critically need is to be a good mother, right? I critically need, if, if my son does not have what he needs, I'm not having a good day. Nobody's going to have a good day that's around me. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. But that's tied to my personal purpose, right? Um, there are other things that's tied to my purpose. I need to dance. I don't care if it's West African. I don't care if it's Afro-Cuban. I don't care what it is. I have to dance. That's not, it may not be someone else's critical need. So for you, Benita, I really want to restate one repetition every single day as you ask that question with courage and with bravery, allow the answer to come up. And then two, begin to open your eyes and ask for help, whether it's through your prayers or however you, you speak to whoever you claim is your creator. Ask for that help and support to come to you on a regular basis to help create other steps to move you closer to what you really want to accomplish. Is that helpful? Yes. Yes. Because isolation is part of exhaustion. Did y'all hear me? <laughs> I Isolation is a byproduct of exhaustion. And there is nothing. I, I just, um, 
So Tatiana Jefferson Kesa <clears throat> did not want to participate in any speaking engagements because I was just personally in my own self-care cocoon. And then I, it just, it's just so egregious. There's so many egregious acts that, you know, you just feel suffocated at times. Um, but I, I went upon the request of uh, one of my brothers in the movement, Marcus Coleman. He says, you know, we just really need you to come out and say something on behalf of sisters. Um, and so I went. And one of the things that I pointed out was when you see that isolation is serving those who make money off of your depression more than it's serving your purpose, you will begin to get much more strategic about understanding how isolation is just a byproduct of this damage that needs to be repaired. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, when there has been severe damage or exhaustion, you isolate sometimes out of fatigue. You know how hard it is for some people to get out the house and just sit in the car? Which is one of my self-care baby steps, by the way. It is so hard to even think about leaving the house for some people who are buried in the depression of either a regular day or a day when a new video of a police shooting has popped up or a day when their child asks for something that they can't afford. Whatever all that is that weighs on your chest heavy, Isolation is one of the number one. I don't mean healthy, healthy private moments. <laughs> I mean unhealthy isolation that breeds and festers around death and demise and hopelessness and lack of faith. That is what gets um, um, just just simmered around you. So push to step out and step out into another safe space in the company of someone that can offer some guidance. Mm -hmm. I, I find myself, yes, I find myself isolating because a lot of times I don't want to fight other black people in the public. So I try to be as tactful as my tiny brain can be with people saying, hey, let's have a conversation behind closed doors before, you know, when I'm feeling some type of way. And uh, when black people ignore that, then comes the fight, <laughs> the public fight, or, or what they consider public antagonistic behavior towards them. And it's really not that. It's like, okay, I asked for a conversation. You know, it's important. I see a bigger picture. I'm not in directly in, in that circle, but I see how it's impacting other people. And, you know, it just bothers me that black people ignore other black people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's harder to deal with all types of neglect and, um, and imitated, you know, overseer behavior. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. hard to witness it. It's hard to witness um, damaging elitism it's hard to witness it's just hard to witness just the negative side of human interaction it's a lot more um, bearable when your cup is filled up right when you're operating on E and you encounter mm -hmm. that you not only don't have a strategy you don't have the energy so then you mm -hmm. go back to survival mode and you begin reacting what I'm suggesting is when you're 
actively working a self-care plan. I'm not saying you may not cut somebody out one day. <laughs> what I am saying <laughs> That's is... That's a daily basis for me. <laughs> well, let I me say like this. That get, that's self-care for me <laughs> to get it out. <laughs> well, I think expression, I think expression uh, without damaging others um, is, is one thing. But I'm going to tell you another thing. You want to be able to say that your choice to express yourself, however that is, you want to say that it's not based or wasn't made when you were fully dehydrated. And so your mind was cloudy, cloudy because you hadn't really given your body everything it needed from a nutrient standpoint. So you could make a decision without dehydration, mineral deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, um, whatever other deficiency, hug, love deficiency, right? Relaxation. Mm -hmm. You want to say that you made a decision because it was a good decision, not because you also feel bad and you feel um, empty of so much that it's adding extra pepper to the scenario where you can't really think through and you can't be strategic. Does that make sense? Yes. Part of my thing is I feel heavy because I take on the burdens like the homeless. I feel yeah. that, you know, I okay. really we, like we gonna, speaking up. We're going to schedule you a, 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 yeah, a therapy a, session a, with my with sister. sister Nana. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk all day, but let's stop it. Yeah, just stop. And I and I don't know if she was directly offering it, but when she was talking about people who do work in this movement and handle very intense situations that impact her, and being sympathetic to that, that you know, Benita, you know that that's Anana's work as well. So she definitely can you know relate you know and you know to your situation in terms of that as well and be someone that, you know, she said, you know, think of somebody who's, you know, have a similar, who's good at dealing with some of the things that you may be dealing with. And, and I think Anana is definitely one of those specifically. And wanting to go further is, I, I, I know that self-care primarily, you know, is looking at how do we address something, um, you know, as an individual, how do we look at, preventative maintaining um, strategies to to uh, being our optimum self however I was just curious would if you had if you were able to give advice say to those in the reparations movement in general what would you say sister Anana? well first for everyone and in particular when you are in a service-based role where you're dealing with a lot of trauma right whether you're witnessing it um, in terms of financial trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma, psychological trauma, or you're watching um, real-time people be manipulated because that's the type of trauma. Whatever type of work that you're in day-to-day, -day, especially in terms of reparations because you're having to pull forward facts that are based in some of the most terrific um, right. and consistent occurrences <laughs> known to mankind and so true. that's not light and then you're having to convince those who have been practicing this very violent form of neglect for mm -hmm. centuries right all of that compounded requires you to first have a strategic self-care plan um, and what that is is waking up every day and creating moments in your life moments that are visual that are in your face where you're continuing to address what you critically need so that you don't have to answer the question in terms of a critical need it's just 
how am I working my regular plan? Get out of the state of existing in a critical way in your life, spiritually, emotionally, economically, with your time, money, and energy, artistically, how you creatively express yourself in a healthy way, physically, um, uh, educationally, what do I need to learn to advance so I feel stronger in conversations, and then socially, who can I interact with that can help me not only fulfill my purpose, but address what it is that I critically need. Get out of the critical state, work every day to really fulfill that. So when you are pushing for this movement work, you're pushing forward with the best self that you can. So that's one. Two, you know, I really believe when it comes to activism, when it comes to business development, um, anything where you are taking a leadership role, whether it's your life, your business, your community, or a position within your people, is you have to have a strategy, which includes practicing your responses so that you're clear about how you want to address certain issues. When you talk about reparations, you know you're going to run into certain personality types, certain argument types. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself spiritually so that you can understand how you want to show up. Prepare yourself intellectually so that you can understand what strategic conversation do you really want to have and who do you want to have it with, <laughs> right? And then also mm -hmm. prepare yourself in terms of your network. Who are you meeting with on a regular basis so that you can grow and sharpen in a safe way? I don't mean showing up at an organizational meeting, um, any organizational meeting, or going into spaces that really don't care if you're okay. That's unacceptable. <laughs> it's unacceptable to do intimate work in spaces that don't care if you're eating that night. That's not okay. So practice speaking up about what you critically need within the communities and environments that are available to help. Um, so those three things would be my offering um, to those who are doing this specific type of work with so much trauma um, involved. Look, I heard, refresh me on the three. I heard self-care plan. A strategic self-care plan. Strategic self-care plan. That addresses every single category of care. And it's visual. And visual. Okay, that's mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And then you want to make two. sure that... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And you want to make sure that you are operating in spaces and preparing to engage with people who you know that you're going to need to prepare for spiritually, that you need to prepare for intellectually, socially, make sure that you're prepared. What do you critically need when you face this argument, when you face this type of personality? You know, there's some who are going through a phase in their life. And you don't know when you're meeting them. On Monday, they could be this type. On Friday, they could be this type. You just <laughs> never know. So you have to build yourself up for those types of people. Mm -hmm. So that's to be prepared. Right. Be prepared in those different categories. So spiritually, mm -hmm. emotionally, intellectually. Okay. Got you. So let me, let me ask you a quick question. Oh. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Let me, let me ask you a quick question. Um, and this is for everyone that's on the line that can chime in. Um, out of spiritual, emotional, artistic, economic, which is your time, money, and energy, physical, educational, and social, 
which of those categories makes you kind of cringe a little bit or run away from? Uh, that would probably be you said economic is time, money, and management. Mm-hmm. Time, money, and energy. Time, money, and energy. Yeah, that one. Okay. Everyone Mine's else on a call? Social. Mine's probably social. Social. Who you interact with in order to address your purpose and your goals. Okay. I know we got one more brother on the line. <laughs> no? She's calling you out, Scotty. He's our engineer. He's engineering. He's engineering. He does participate, though, sometimes. Okay. (laughs) Well, I asked that question because that's how you begin to identify which of those categories resonates the most with you and will have the greatest impact the quickest. The one that you want to run away from the most is the one that you have to address um, first when you want to be brave and courageous about addressing your critical self-care needs. And also when you want to realize what's going to have the greatest impact with everyone else around you. Mine is spiritual and emotional and they exist together. Every time I address that and then every time I run away from it, the impact is massive every single time. So I wanted to offer that as well as a question you can ask yourself and if you go to um, the website for Sister Care Alliance is sistercarealliance.org but you can also go to um, selfcareagency.com and there's a list of the different self-care categories um, the book of course is available and then it's also on audible because I'm very much into audible books um, mm-hmm. and you can also reach out sistercarealliance at gmail.com and I can send you the list. There's also a self-care check-in form that you can do with your anybody in the house, a family member in the house, a partner, a loved one. Um, and even with your children, you can begin to just teach your children how to not suppress what's happening on the inside and acknowledge what their critical needs are on a more regular basis. Is that helpful? Very much so. Because everything so, impacts our children too. How we mm-hmm. show up. And grandchildren. And, grandchildren. <laughs> and, and um yeah, so we are actually coming to a close. So I I was thinking that was sounding like some last closing remarks, but I will still offer you to give us some last closing thoughts. You know, so many times when you get interviewed you'd be like, I wanted to talk about so and so but they didn't ask me a question where I could bring that in so here's your opportunity to bring in whatever you felt like you didn't bring in that you want to bring in or if you're complete we can begin to wrap up the show uh thank you i do want to offer that you know whether it's in uh, movement work or pan-african communities or just you know really communally focused environments a lot of the initial reception I've gotten through the years is, well, is this about individualism? You know, is self-care, you know, in the titling, and I said, well, you know, one, that's why I wrote the book, so that if you wanted a full, a full description of what it means to be revolutionary about how you take care of yourself, to combat all of these external forces that are profiting off of our um, 
low self-care habits and all of our challenges. Um, if you want to be able to become revolutionary, then this is a path. This is one way. But trust me, the idea that you taking care of what you critically need, um, getting in the way of helping uh, an entire plantation <laughs> make money, right? This has historical relevance. There's a difference when you um, are looking at a community that's thriving because the women are healthy, the men are healthy, the children are healthy, people are eating, and all of those critical needs are being met. So we need to get to a place where we can just respect the fact that, yeah, I actually can address my critical needs and still take care of my household. I actually can. <laughs> I can prioritize something that can rock my very foundation of sanity, of physical health and ability to still be here and still address what's happening. But I have to get out of a critical state or I'm not going to be here very long. So I just wanted to add that it's not mutually exclusive. It's not either or. It's both and. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, if I feel dehydrated and I'm not feeling well, I can address that and I can also make sure my son gets off to school. It's actually possible. So I just wanted to leave that there, not just for sisters, but for brothers, for entire families and communities. We can incorporate not ignoring the fact that our entire congregation, our, our membership, all of these wonderful powerful resilient people who've learned how to ignore their critical needs they also can continue to help these communal structures move forward while also addressing what's critical for them as well there are activists out there fighting to provide for others and then going home to empty refrigerators going home to bills not knowing how they're going to survive and that's just unacceptable and it's not necessary mm -hmm. all right well, yes, yes, yes. So we thank you so much, Sister for Anana, for who you are and for showing up for your uh, in, being a part of the show today. Appreciate love you accepting to uh, be a part of the show. This show will live on the Black Talk Radio Network dot com, so you can you know check it out or the future if you want to or you know share with others let people know that they can um, listen to this particular interview so this has been brought to you by Conversation Reparations Conversation Reparations okay. Conversation Reparations Conversation Reparations hmm? okay and this is brought to you by the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America and I also just wanted to acknowledge that Sister Bonilla Lacey actually is just voted officially as the female co-chair of Atlanta Chapters in Copa. We welcome her officially on board. Yay. <laughs> and um, and again, you can find out more about Encobra at, at EncobraOnline.org EncobraOnline.org N-C-O-B-R-A Online.org You can reach me directly at reparationsj at gmail.com or reparationsj at gmail.com or 678-437-7882. The next in Cobra meeting is? The next in Cobra meeting, Atlanta chapter. Yeah, Thank go you. Ahead. <laughs> you can give them a date? December the 15th. 
Yes, and reach out to us by um, by email. We have some uh, special recognition for folks in the Atlanta community who are putting forth support and efforts towards reparations. We'd like to see you all there. Yes, our, our December meeting is basically, uh, we do kind of a wrap-up of some of the activities that we've been engaged in over the year, but primarily as a social event we'll, we'll be um, have a DJ and potluck and, and we'll network and socialize with each other and we as sister buddies we also will recognize some people in our community who have supported and cooperated in the reparations movement so thank you very much thank you again for our, our engineer um, brother Scotty Reed who graciously does what needs to be done in the background so this radio show will happen and be successful. So thank you. Thank you, Sister Bonita. Thank you, Sister Nana. Conversation Reparations.